Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, joined once again, as always, by Maggie Loney. She is back. She is a mom. We missed you so much. There's only two episodes of that. You, it felt like forever. How are you? How are you? I, I'm not sleeping very much, but I'm doing great. Being a mom is weirdly the best thing that's ever happened to me. I, maybe that's not weird. I don't know. I've never felt very maternal, and then I had a kid. Now I feel very maternal. So that's <laughs> that's a, that's a plus. Yeah, we love. We love the little boy. Uh, we know that you're going to be an amazing mom. You had your first Packers game together out the womb, which was exciting to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark kept joking that uh, the baby coming was going to usher in the Jordan Love era. And then Aaron Rodgers took the rib shot and he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I was just kidding. <laughs> it was just a joke. Wow. Yeah, that's some clairvoyance right there. Yeah. So speaking of. There's a lot to go over in this game. This game was like four quarters of absolute madness. I mean, leave it to the Packers. They're not going out with a soft whimper. That's for sure. They are going to close out this season with an entertaining bang, which is better than the latter, I guess. There's almost too much to talk about in this game in one podcast episode. So maybe let's start with our highlights or like favorite moments from the game if you will and then we can dive into some of the injuries and Jordan Love yeah I think I think that's a good way to do it because there there were a lot of negatives but we (laughs) typically try to be optimistic on this show so I'm gonna give my uh, give my game ball whatever you want to call it the good before the bad and the ugly to Keyshawn Nixon as a punt returner and a kickoff returner and I don't know if I took that from you but just there was a stat about how explosive he was is like the only returner to have uh, multiple 50 plus yarders uh, this season. And he he's earned it like he. Yeah. Keyshawn Nixon is the only player in the NFL this season with multiple kick returns of at least 50 yards in the same game. So, you know, it not to like rag on Rich Passaccia or Amari Rogers since he's not obviously with the team anymore, but it just kind of is a head scratcher if like, you know, you had this explosive guy in your back pocket and you've worked with him even like with the Raiders. Why was he sitting there, you know, in the waiting when your your primary guy was fumbling the entire time? So 
he gets a game ball because I thought that he really flipped the field and gave the Packers some good position for some of these, these drives that they needed to score points. Yeah, I definitely would give a game ball to Casey on Nixon. It is really confusing that they've had him on the roster for as long as they have. And we're just seeing him now because he's certainly uh, explosive and fearless, which I feel like you need to be a little bit when you're playing special teams, right? You have to have some odd level of confidence that you can, you know, and he's got way better vision for sure than Amari Rogers ever had, even when he could catch the ball. So he keeps us on our toes, but you're right. He flipped the field a number of times and gave the Packers offense very good field position. Not that they did something with it every single time, but we love, we love the effort. Um, I have a couple of game balls to give. Actually, I know it was a bit of a cluster, but can we give Christian Watson the offensive game ball here? I mean, the dude went for another, I think quietly another 100, over 100 yard game. And if you're looking for bright, shining moments on this team for an otherwise kind of underwhelming and severely underperforming Packers team that's now four and eight. I mean, Christian Watson is it, right? He just looks like the real deal. He stacked now three consecutive games, not a fluke. He is got the route running. He's got the explosiveness. He's got the size. He made those Eagles defenders look slow. Like he is, and I'm pretty sure I saw on Twitter as well that one of the defenders on his 63-yard catch and run touchdown, one of the defenders trailing him runs a 4-3-8-40. So yeah. Christian is watching. Christian Watson is making fast men uh, look slow, and I'm just very excited for his future. And I'm thrilled to see the Packers from what it looks like for now hit on yet another second round wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, not to get into like the Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love thing, but it was nice to see Jordan Love have a connection with him and Rodgers obviously go to him repeatedly. So whoever is under center in 2023, you know, is going to start building that chemistry and especially, I mean, it's needed. And um, I think he was, he was in the same elite company as Sterling Sharp and Devonte Adams, as far as some of the statistics for, you know, what he's done in this stretch and, you know, a lot of people were ready to write him off with the injuries and the drop in the first game of the season. And it just kind of goes to show you now, like when you give these guys time to develop and get on the same page in the Matlow floor offense, that good things happen. Um, I did want to also give another offensive game ball to AJ Dillon, just because, you know, I, I think maybe honestly, I'm trying to do the quick math in my head, but this might've been his most yards from scrimmage all season and if it's not yes. it was really close I think he might have had a couple more in Minnesota with his receiving yards but he it was definitely his most productive game on the ground he was averaging eight yards per attempt and he had his second rushing touchdown of the season so you know after kind of like what you would want to say a down year for him after what we saw last season it was really nice to see him gashing the Eagles and you know fighting for those yards because the offense really needed him to come up in those moments yeah, it was really nice to see him get his legs back because and I think the Packers, we knew going into the season that they have such an incredible one-two punch with him and Aaron Jones. And so far this season, it really has been, in terms of the running back room, the Aaron Jones show. Um, obviously, he's an elite talent, just a rare, unique. I mean, the touchdown catch that he made, like that was wide receiver stuff. But 
after a really promising last season from AJ Dillon and seeing what he can do, especially at this time of year, I think we've been kind of waiting for him to break out. And I've been saying this all season and I'll say it again. He is a rhythm back and you saw him get repeated continued touches in this game against the Eagles. And that's when you see him get his vision, get his explosiveness, start to get into the groove of what he's able to do and just plow through a defensive lineman. So I agree. He's, I mean, we both feel this way. He's the easiest guy to root for in the whole world. And we've been waiting for him to kind of find himself again this season. And I'm glad it's happened at some point. Um, I think the last game ball I'll give here, um, it's kind of a tie for me. This was obviously like just an absolutely abysmal defensive performance. And we'll get into our, our cons of the game, I believe, which is basically just the defense getting gashed on the ground. Um, but there were some guys on this side of the ball that really stepped up in this game. I think you can point at um, Rudy Ford as one of them, Quay Walker, who picked up the fumble recovery and, if not for some better blocking, probably would have returned it for a touchdown. Um, he, as well as Christian Watson, just looks like the lights on, like it, it has hit. Um, as well as JJ and Ngbare. I think, you know, you lose Rashawn Gary on that side of the ball and you're seeing some of the problems that it's obviously trickled down with the defense in terms of not being able to get as much pressure. And, you know, Rashawn is just the kind of heart and soul of that defense, but it's allowed guys like Enigbari to really step up to the plate. And I think the Packers have found a really nice rusher in him as a fifth round pick this year. And as a whole, I think it's highlighted that Goot's done a fairly nice job with the 2022 draft class because they've been serious contributors so far this season. I agree. I'm glad you you pointed out Quay Walker and Rudy Ford. And the other name that I would throw in there, just because I think, you know, we have like these expectations now of guys coming in and contributing the way that Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas did last season. Like it's tainted our expectations a little bit of what maybe street free agents are capable of, but Rudy Ford obviously coming in has made a huge impact both on special teams and at the safety position. We'll talk about Darnell Savage, I'm sure in a little bit. Um, But then Justin Hollins street free agent or, you know, getting cut by the Rams on like Thanksgiving, turning around, coming to green Bay, You know, he has a sack on the night. He was able to kind of help set the edge. And, you know, whatever your expectations are when these kind of guys come in, nobody's going to be Rashawn Gary. It's going to take like every man to make up for him, you know, not being on the field. But the way that he was able to set the edge and like his kind of relentless pursuit, it was really refreshing. And it just kind of shows that like, you know, Goot is constantly looking at trying to improve the roster, even if it's not like an Odell Beckham Jr. name coming in, you know, that's a big name. He's he's still looking for pieces. And, you know, maybe it was Justin Holland's one good game and we're not talking about him again this season. But the fact that Goot is trying to bring guys in to make impacts, I think, says a lot. And Justin Hollins, I thought, had a really fun game for a guy that probably wasn't on, you know, many radars. Guys probably didn't know or, you know, fans probably didn't know what his number was even until he stepped on the field on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. But despite those few names, the overall performance of this defense was probably the worst we've seen so far this season. I mean, you look at the stats that the Eagles were able to put up against the Packers, and I think it just really paints the picture. They had 500 total yards of offense. Five zero zero. That is over a hundred yards a quarter, just to like put that in perspective. That is absolutely insane. 
Um, only 137 passing yards, which, okay, but that's because they had 360 yards on the ground. 29 first downs, 8 for 15 on third down efficiency, 2 for 3 on fourth down efficiency, 79 total plays. That's compared to the Packers, 49. And they only punted once. This is about as bad as it gets. Um, this defense has just crumbled. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it has to be a complete and total rebuild at this point. Um, we talked about this pre-show and it's on everybody's minds. I don't think the Packers are going to get rid of Joe Barry after this game. I think if they, if they were going to, it would have happened today. We're recording Monday night. We would have heard about it today after this game. It's going to be a, ride out the season because there's just no point, but there was no adjustments, right? You know exactly what the Eagles are going to do. You know who Jalen Hurts is going into this game. He had a spy on him at first, didn't do anything, and he refused to load the box. He played nickel when he knew they were going to run, and your DBs are not tackling well, and you're just not playing to the strengths of your guys, and you're not calling a scheme that's going to work against this the best rushing team in the league. I'm pretty sure the Eagles are and the Packers got absolutely gashed on national television. And honestly, at times didn't even look like they were trying that hard. Yeah. I mean, and I think the frustrating part too, is Matt LaFleur said it right. Like there's been the blueprint all season for how to attack this Packers defense. And next week you're playing Justin Fields who just set a record in the NFL for rushing yards in a game, I believe. So, you know, Jalen hurts is, incredibly talented with his legs and Justin Fields you can say is in that same kind of caliber of rushing talent at the quarterback position and it's something that the Packers have struggled with repeatedly I mean you know you don't want to be a broken record and go back to like the 49ers uh, championship game but every time we think that there's a solution to the run defense there isn't you know we talked all preseason and all training camp about how the D-line was as deep as it was ever had ever been for Kenny Clark and you know you drafted Devontae Devonte Wyatt, you've got Jaron Reed, you know, all these like TJ Slayton in his sophomore season, you're expecting to make a jump. And Kenny Clark is probably having one of his worst years as a pro, which is really sad to see, you know, for whatever reason, you know, that is he just, whether he needs help, whether it's, you know, the Rashawn Gary effect that now he's gone and you don't have guys setting the edge, whatever it is, the run defense remains a problem. And the fact that you have a quarterback that threw for 153 yards and rushed for 157 yards. It's just, it's about as problematic as it gets. And for, for this defense to be as good as it looked on paper and the expectations that we had that, you know, pundits had that analysts had that said like, this could be a top 10 unit based on, you know, the caliber of the players that you have in the secondary. And you've got really talented inside linebackers. I don't know, like, you know, what the problem is. And I think it's just that, there's a lot of blame to go around. It's not just Joe Barry. It's not just, you know, certain players. It's everybody. And I don't really know at this point how you write that ship. I don't know if you can. Absolutely. And you're right. It's not Joe Barry, right? Joe Barry's not out there missing tackles. Like this team needs to, I think, go back to its fundamentals. And the piece of it that I feel like we need to touch on is this isn't going to get better. We're seeing more and more quarterbacks coming out of college, successful in the NFL, who do both. There are fewer and fewer pure pocket passers. 
everyone has to be at this point a dual threat. Lamar Jackson paved the way. Michael Vick, obviously, and Colin Kaepernick were the start. But now almost everyone coming out of college has legs. So at this point, the Packers defense has to start planning around the way offenses are going in the NFL, which is you are going to have this run pass running quarterback option. And if they don't get their minds around that, if they don't come up with a plan, come up with a scheme, draft players, add players who can wrap up and tackle, who can spy, who can, you know, quickly decipher if the quarterback's going to run or not there, this is going to continue. And you're right. This has been a problem, like going back to those early quarterbacks that I just mentioned, this is not new, but it's only getting worse for them because this is the way that quarterbacks are developing into. Yeah. And I mean, obviously if you take out the anomaly that was the Bucks game where they had 34 rushing yards total on the ground, the Packers, you know, the second lowest rushing total of the season was the Titans, and that was 88 yards. Beyond that, it's at least 117 yards or more. And you said, you know, the Eagles put up 363 yards, but every game has been like 150, 160. Like, these are just astronomical rushing numbers that teams are being able, like, even teams that, no disrespect, don't have like, you know, the kind of caliber of back that you would expect, like a Derrick Henry. You know, the fact that the Titans were able to, utilized Derrick Henry put up 88 yards on the ground but then they attacked with the passing game and I obviously missed that that recap show but it just it seems like this Packers defense has no answer for anything where if they finally are able to kind of shut down a run game where they are able to stuff a guy like Derrick Henry then Ryan Tannehill in a passing offense that is not you know in the upper echelon of passing offenses in the NFL is able to attack this Packers defense. So it's it's just really weird the way that they game plan and kind of what they prioritize. And even when we see again and again, like the same kind of drives happening where every time the Eagles touch the ball, it was like, okay, you know that it's a third and 10. They're going to pick up 12 on a, like a, a draw up the middle. And it, it would happen. And it's like, if, if everybody's sitting at home on the couch is able to expect these things, how are you not game planning for that as a defensive coordinator and, you know, you know, the rest of the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, you just have to look at the numbers to say, like, like you this is the inverse of the Titans game, right? Jalen Hurts passed 16 times for 153 yards. Theoretically, the Packers put up 33 points, the most so far this season. This should have been a win, and yet it wasn't, again, because they can't stop the run, and it limits their ability to come from behind if they need to because the Eagles just completely dominate the time of possession. They had the ball... I think it was 10 minutes longer. This was the problem in the Titans game too. And you just don't get the stops that you need. I mean, the Packers had plenty of opportunities pretty much until the end of the fourth quarter in order to come back and win this game. So you have to make these adjustments. And Matt LaFleur actually was asked about it at the halftime, uh, at the halftime point when they get interviewed on the field And he was like, yeah, you know, I'd like to see this defense make a few more stops. So I don't know what they need to do, but I think it needs to start with bringing somebody new in who can revamp this entire side of the ball. 
Yeah. And I mean, not to get too like, you know, down the line here as far as, you know, moving parts and moving pieces, but the Packers have invested so much in this defense that you have to think that a lot of the pieces are going to be the same. Obviously you're not getting rid of Jair. You signed Rasul, you signed Devondre Campbell to these long-term contracts. Preston Smith got an extension. So most of the pieces here are likely the same. You know, there's a couple guys that maybe won't be back. You could argue Adrian Amos is one of those names. Whatever happens with Darnell Savage, I know they committed to him and his fifth-year option. You are hoping that they pay Rashawn Gary. They better pay Rashawn Gary big money. But, you know, a lot of the the core pieces, I think, whether you love it or hate it, are there for this team right now because that's just a, a huge commitment on your salary cap that you can't just negate now at this point. So, because of the talent that you have and because we've seen what's possible with so many of these players, you have to think you're exactly right that somebody needs to come in and kind of reshape, re-sculpt what this defense looks like and what their identity is. Because I don't think that we could pinpoint it through, you know, 12 weeks of this NFL season, what if the defense even has an identity, I don't think they do. No. And it's, it's so f- interesting hearing you list off all those names because I wouldn't want the Packers to get rid of any of those names. Like, you paid all of those guys for a reason. You feel pretty good about some of the draft picks and their development. So you need someone to come in and and put the pieces together. You know, the safety position is, again, just looking ahead a little bit here, is just one that's going to have to be addressed this offseason. Um, I think you and I both agreed it sh- probably should have been addressed this past offseason. I think they're a year past due now. Um Unfortunately, I've been in Adrian Amos stand for quite some time now. He just isn't doesn't look like the same player this year. I don't know again if this is scheme, if he's just getting up there in age. I think he's like 30 now, right? Um Darnell Savage <laughs> is unknown. I think if the Packers hadn't already picked up his fifth year option, he would not be back after his performance so far this season. So those are your two starting safeties, and that's gonna be a position group that you're going to have to totally uproot and again, like revamp this off season. The Packers aren't known to take safeties high in the draft. They're going to have a high pick. I don't think it's a premium position that they value in the first round. So they're just going to have to look at what is on the market or who's available later, but they're going to have to address the safety position because if both of your starting safeties are playing as badly and missing tackles and blowing coverages, you're going to lose a lot of games. Yeah. And it's not going to matter, you know, how good Jair is in man coverage or, you know, how good Quay Walker is as a spy. And, you know, we saw him save a touchdown against Justin Fields earlier in the season because of that speed. So regardless of, you know, the other pieces that you have on your defense that can make plays, Everything still has to funnel through your secondary. And if your safeties, like you said, are dropping the ball figuratively, literally, you know, however you want to look at it, that's a problem. So let's talk about the Darnell Savage injury because it seemed like before he got hurt, he was only in for that one play and he was in dime personnel for Joe Barry. So it seems like the Packers were making an adjustment. Rudy Ford was in, you know, kind of as as the opposite to Adrian Amos. And, you know, whether that continues, we don't know what how long the Darnell Savage injury is going to linger. It sounds like his x-rays were clean, at least. So mm-hmm. it should just be an ankle sprain that he can potentially come back from this season. But it, it seems like they were trying, like they were going to try and figure out something with him before the injury, because he definitely, you know, the slot experiment kind of fizzled out right away, you know, with him as as the nickel. And then obviously he's not 
maintaining his job as the free safety on the field. So, I mean, it looks like he was demoted, I guess is the word that you, you would describe. So um, who knows how long the injury is going to sideline him for, but it sounds like even without the injury, he was going to be seeing some reduced playing time, which production based industry, huh? It's just part of, it's the name of the game at this point. You, you can't be missing tackles the way he has. You can't be miscommunicating across the defense the way he has. You can't be blowing coverages. It's just when one person doesn't do their one eleventh, it completely derails the entire play. And he's been that culprit a number of times at this point. So let's talk about then the other injury that happened during this game. <laughs> Um, because that, because that was the biggest news and, you know, Aaron yeah. Rodgers obviously dealing with the, the thumb injury for most of the season at this point, shout out to big B of the underage Packers for making his uh, media rounds this week with some breaking news, um, about his broken thumb. But in addition to the thumb, you know, Rodgers had kind of said that it wasn't bothering him as much as, you know, it had in previous weeks, the little mini buy after the Titans game, he was feeling better. And then he took a couple rib shots and obviously the x-rays turned out fine now, doesn't have a punctured lung, but he was worried about a lot of those injuries so much so that obviously he was taken out of the game and we got to see some Jordan Love in the second half. Takeaways from the Jordan Love, you know, the, the couple drives that he was given. So before we move on to Jordan Love, I just want to talk a little bit about the Rogers industry, uh, in industry injury um, because... Look, we have seen this before with Rodgers, right? He's played through injuries. He's downplayed them. It's come out later how bad they are. Um, It sounds like the broken thumb, the fracture that he has is a fracture that actually takes some ligament from your thumb off with it when it gets fractured. So I can't even imagine how painful that is. Um, Sounds like surgery is usually the option. He refuses to get surgery until the season is over and or potentially when they're mathematically eliminated. We'll see when that happens. Um, The last drive, Rodgers looked like, I actually don't know if I've ever seen him in that much pain on the field. I'll just say that. And you know it's bad when he's willingly handing the ball off over and over and over again and not taking some of the shots that you know he can take down in the red zone. Um, He pulled himself out of the game, which again says a lot. Um, I do want to just say, I think I've, I've taken some shots at Rogers for his leadership this season, but I have to say that that's, that's one tough, one tough dude that's staying out there for his team, right? Like you have to give credit where credit is due. They're four and eight. They're probably, they're a hundred percent at this point, not mathematically, but a hundred percent going to miss the playoffs. And he's out there gritting it out with them wants to play again next week, won't go on IR. Um, so, you know, that I think that says a lot about him as a leader, if you will. Now, as someone who works in healthcare, do I condone playing through horrible injuries like this? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know how I feel about the glorification of playing through serious injuries on the body. However, as a football fan, I think you love to see that a little bit from your quarterback. It kind of reminds you of the 2018 season when Joel Philbin came in and he's still playing, taking shots. Like I think had a concussion at the end of that season and 
you're like, why are you doing this? Right. Because the season's basically over. So it's who that it's who he is. He's one tough guy. Um, that aside, we did get some Jordan love time. People have been calling for it. I thought Jordan looked great. Again, he threw nine passes. So this is a tiny, tiny sample size. You don't want to get overly hyped about one performance. But I do think that this was the first performance that was meaningful for him. Right? He came into a game that was still well within reach. He came in for multiple drives to try to bring this team back from a win. And for all intents and purposes, he almost did. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw six for nine, one thirteen, one touchdown, no interceptions. I don't know. I just thought he looked a lot more polished, a lot more game ready, decisive, accurate. I mean, he was slinging it. He was not afraid to throw into tight windows. Um, he hit Christian Watson in stride for that 63 yard touchdown. It was just nice to see him super comfortable out there in a, again, a very hostile environment. The chiefs game last season was another hostile environment where he was thrown in last minute. And unfortunately Spags just threw the house at him and he couldn't, he got a little rattled. So it was nice to see him respond a little bit differently in that same situation. Yeah. And I know Aaron Rodgers gave um, Tom Clemens some praise for some of that too, but it is nice. You know, you're, he's, he's making the progress that you'd want to see potentially the face of your franchise eventually start making. And, you know, I thought, I agree with you. He looked really comfortable. I thought he was, you know, throwing in rhythm. His timing was really good. I know, you know, some of the the quarterback analysts on Twitter were talking about some of his footwork, maybe needing to be cleaned up a little bit still, but these are all like promising things. He ran the Matt LaFleur offense really well. And, you know, I think had the defense given them a stop when they needed it, it would have been really fun to see him, whether they won or lost, obviously get an opportunity to like run a two minute drill or kind of, you know, try and bring the offense back and, and get them in a position to maybe go into overtime. But I do agree with you about the Rogers stuff. You know, every criticism that you have or that we've had all season about Aaron Rodgers, it has just been, I, I don't know how to say this. It's been wanting him to go out the way that he wants to go out. And I think this season has been really hard because it's, a, it's like you said, it's a four and eight football team. He's coming off back-to-back MVP seasons. He's a four-time MVP. He didn't expect the season to go like this. If this is his last year, you know, that's going to circulate until he ends up retiring, regardless of what season he ends up retiring. It's tough to watch him put his body on the line like this, knowing the joy that he's brought Packers fans for every year that he's played. And he brought them to a Super Bowl. And the, the calling for Jordan Love, I think, wasn't, in spite of Rodgers, as much as it's this season feels like a foregone conclusion that we're not going to get to where we want to get to. So now we need to start making some tough decisions about what comes next. So if Aaron Rodgers plays next week, you know, I agree with you. I You don't want him to take any more shots and get hurt worse. And you'd hate for his career to end on something like an injury instead of going out the way he wants to. But you can also see him as a competitor now saying, absolutely not. I'm not going to let my last season in green Bay be some type of like six and 11 season. Like we're going to try and do this thing one more time. And I, you know, want to be healthy and ready for it. So I, you, you feel for him in these moments because it's, it's tough to tough to see, I guess the, the ending in sight and know that it's ending this way. Yeah. It, I could not agree more. And I, 
you know, he's 39. He's going to be 39. This is no young spring chicken. The dude has had so many serious injuries over the course of his almost two decade career. If you think back on two broken collarbones, concussions, the knee, now the thought, like he's been through the ringer and I think there is, you're right, a level of competitiveness, a level of stubbornness, a level of belief in himself that he knows he can elevate this team regardless of if his play this season has not been his best because it hasn't, right? Statistically, it hasn't. He would say it hasn't. And you, again, don't want him to go out hurt because you at least, I think, want to leave the door open for him to come back next season. And if he ends this season with a serious injury, I think that calls into question whether it's just time to hang it up and, you know, his body can't handle this anymore. And that's kind of the last thing you want. And it's probably the last thing he wants. He wants to be able to be in control over this decision. And if there's injury involved, he's going to be less in control. Um, So I'm sure he's thinking about all of this and I'm sure that there is going to be a surgery in his future. Um, when it comes to the thumb, because it's the only way that this injury gets, gets cleared up. But um, it is going to be interesting. I think going forward the rest of the season, he did say in that same press conference that, you know, if he's good to go next week, he wants to play. But again, once this team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, it's going to be a different conversation. So I'm glad he's coming to that conclusion and at least publicly saying, yeah, I'm aware that, that there are some like decisions that need to be made and, it's also probably thinking about himself personally, what he wants to do once they're not in the playoffs anymore. Um, so we'll get cross that bridge when we get there. But I think the writing on the wall is that whenever that happens, we're going to get to see more Jordan love. And based on what we saw this game, I'm excited for it. And I, I think Jordan's ready for it and he deserves these opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just really hard. We talked about this, you know, earlier in the season, it's just hard to evaluate somebody like Jordan love with only preseason games, knowing the talent that you're going up against in the preseason and spot duty. Like you need to see some, some live action, long-term, like multiple games with the ones and, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the way, but any other, any other thoughts about the Eagles game before we uh, shift gears then and talk about the NFC North again next week? or later in the week? Um, It was just nice to see the Packers fight till the end. I I think one of the problems of the past couple of seasons and this one as well is that getting punched in the mouth has led to a downward spiral, and they got punched in the mouth at the very, very beginning of this game. Mm -hmm. They went down 13-0, should have been 14-0, if not for a missed extra point. So I think you watch them respond the way they did, And you feel good about that. And hopefully this season, you know, breaks the streak that we've seen in the Matt LaFleur era of them not knowing how to handle adversity because they've certainly had to handle plenty of it this year. Yeah, I was just going to say this, you know, after going, you know, 13 win seasons back to back to back and then having the kind of season that they're having. You, you don't really face much more adversity than this as a football team. So not to look too far ahead as far as, you know, what happens next season. But I do think it'll be really interesting to see how once the Packers are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, how Matt LaFleur and the team respond, what they can string together, what this looks like, and then how they respond even further, you know, going into 2023. But that's not something we need to talk about now. We still have a couple weeks left of the regular season for the Packers. Um, 
It's it's good to be back. It is. It's good to have <laughs> you back. I feel complete again. Um, we will be back this week with our Bears preview. Always fun. The ultimate rivalry happens for the second time this season. Um, you can follow along and listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Maggie on social media at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Pax what she said on Instagram and Twitch. And thank you all so much for listening. And go back up. Go back up.